Hello, and welcome to what is the first episode of the Truly Happily Madison podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Gregson. Uh, you might know me from knowing me, or have, if you've met me in the past, you might know me from that. Otherwise, you probably don't. I'm a guy who tweets about movies and likes movies a lot. Joining me on this podcast is Josh Pappenheim. Hello. That's Josh. You may know him from eating a lot of Wahlburgers once. <laughs> That's my only claim to fame. I eat all the Wahlburgers. Every Wahlburger. Yeah. The um, varying quality, I think you can imagine. Some were great. Some were, well, one was great. Anyway, this isn't a Wahlburgers podcast. No, we're not here to talk about actor, restauranteur, um, possible <laughs> stopper of 9-11, Mark Wahlberg. We're here to talk about someone far more mm. dubious. <laughs> or not. No, you know, he's pretty cool. Uh, we are here to talk about the one and only Adam Richard Sandler. Jack, how old were you when you first experienced the raw sexual and entertainment energy of Adam Richard Sandler? My introduction, uh, I, I remember watching Happy Madison uh, as a young lad with my friend William Barber. Shout out William Barber. Shout out Will, he lives in Germany now, if you know him. Go say hi. <laughs> um, tell him he's podcast famous. <laughs> uh, Straight off the bat, episode one. Won't be the only William we discuss this episode. True. This, uh, yeah, I remember watching Happy Madison, not Happy Madison, Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. <laughs> yeah. It's this, this is a hard part of this podcast. Yeah. Why did he do that? My Yes, my first experience would have been with Happy Gilmore. And I remember watching it and not really getting it. Not really mm. enjoying myself. I remember... Um, the grandma wearing a kiss mask kind of freaked me out. So yeah. So you saw it as a horror film. <laughs> I saw it as a. Well, to be honest, like all the stuff that happens with his grandma in that film with her and Ben Stiller is pretty scary. Ben Stiller. Oh, I don't remember that film at all. I'm glad oh, that we're not watching it <laughs> because. Actually, no. I'm sad that we're not watching it because uh, I'd really like to revisit it. All I remember is someone loses a hand. There's a crocodile. Yeah. Is that it's, it? Is that the same film? That's that the same hook? film. That's the same. <laughs> hook. Um is similar in many ways, except Hook is terrible and Happy Gilmore's quite good. Um, absolutely not, but yeah. <laughs> no, I think... We'll, we'll, we'll move on from that. We'll move on from that. Yeah, I think my first introduction to Adam Sandler was going into Woolworths, and uh, they had a deal on that was three for five, three for five pounds on VHSs. Uh, children, if you're listening, or people under the age of, I don't know, 30... Woolworths was like a big shop. It was like an Argos. No, it wasn't like an Argos. What was it like? A big W. Nothing's Smith. like an Argos. No, it's true. They're very singular talents. No, there's the no street. store in the world where you go in and you browse a catalogue to find what you're looking for other than Argos. No, but it's fucking genius in this, the year of our Lord, COVID-19. Um, yes. It's actually 2020 listeners, obviously. Um, yeah, anyway, they had this three for five pound offer on and I went, oh, I like Drew Barrymore. She's in this film, The Wedding Singer. And then... I went, oh, she's also in this film, Never Been Kissed. And oh, the other guy from The Wedding Singer is in this other film called Big Daddy. So I bought all three of those and I watched them all. And uh, yeah, they were all incredible. But the the big the big AS man, the ass man, he really stood out to me. That's just a singular talent. Well, listeners, you would be forgiven in thinking that we are a podcast that is just talking about Adam Sandler movies. Because that's all we've talked about so far. But we're not. We are a podcast dedicated to covering the filmography of Adam Sandler's production company, <laughs> Happy Madison. Happy uh, Madison. 
This is a production company he started in 1999 to produce films for himself, but also for his friends in comedy. So people like Rob Schneider, David Spade. Later on, Kevin James. Yeah, Chris Rock sneaks in there. Basically, the cast of Grown Ups, which is a Happy Madison movie. Obviously. What a happy film. What a Madison film. (laughs) Each week, we will be going in release date order, trekking through this... uh, up and down filmography with highs such as I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, <laughs> funny people, grown ups too, and lows such as Paul Blart Mall Cop. How fucking dare you? I've never seen it. Well, you will in about 30 weeks. <laughs> Brilliant, yes. Uh, the way this podcast has been structured release date-wise is that you should, if you are listening today on the day this podcast is dropping, you may also notice on Netflix that uh, his new film, Hubie Halloween, has been dropped. A Happy Madison production of its own. We should be getting to that one in about a year. <laughs> yeah, we're really up to date. We're very trendy. But, you know, it's like a fine wine. We have to have a year to really get our thoughts together. We started planning this podcast about two years ago, didn't we? About that. It's taken a lot to get together, and now you can see it's the least ramshackle podcast out there on the net. <laughs> it's so tight. It's like it's been so planned. Yeah, it's like whip- we've whiplashed each other. It's definitely not like we recorded an episode before this, listened back to it, realized it was terrible, and then decided to do another episode. No, it's nothing like that. So yeah, we are talking about uh, the films of Happy Madison, a production company that has definitely made movies. <laughs> that cannot be denied. We'll be looking at uh, these films, at least I will be looking at these films in the sort of context of today and uh, what was funny back in the years they were made and what was acceptable back in the years they were made and judging it on the the 2020 standard because um, that's what you do on the internet. That's true. It's a good and worthwhile endeavour. I, on the other hand, will not be doing any sort of specific analysis. I might just... Well, I suppose my, my enduring passion in life is to really understand who Adam Sandler is as a person and what he believes life is about. And I'm hoping, even though he's not in all of these films as we've been through previously, I just want to see what, like, the the films he puts his money behind and the films he wants to bring to life for his friends. What does he see in those stories? And by that, what does he see in humanity? What is his animus? Other than... What drives him? Other than just being a general dingus. I feel I should also mention... Yes, there's going to be discussion of uh, silliness and dumb movies. Deep down, the biggest interest for me is that I always do quite like Adam Sandler, and I can never really figure out figure. I can never really figure Don't finger out Adam Sandler, please. <laughs> I can never really figure out why. There's obviously the films like Punch Drunk Love or Uncut Gems or the Myrowitz stories where he is absolutely wonderful. And he's giving real performances. Then he will slink back and do something like click. uh, And (laughs) (laughs) you can't really figure it out. Uh, So I'm looking forward to getting into why I like Adam Sandler, even though I don't think I should. No, I think that's a a common goal and aim that we share. Um, Because, yeah, I just want to lift... I want to be Dorothy at the end of... The Wizard of Oz. I want to pull back the curtain. I want to see who Adam. So I want. There's That's glimpses. not the end of The Wizard of Oz. It's towards the end. It's like it's the third act. It's the beginning of the third act. Yeah, but yeah, that's more or less the end in my <laughs> head. 
She, you know, the end, no is, the, end. the end is her in Kansas, in black and white, going, and you were there? And I thought that's what you were saying. Like, I want this to be like the end of <laughs> The Wizard of Oz, and I'm sitting in a bed, and Adam Sandler comes up it's to me, like, and I go, all, and you were there? The and Rob Schneider was there? there? <laughs> and David oh, Spade was there? No, that would be much better. But no, I'm talking, I just want to, I just want to peel back the, I want to kick through the doors of perception and really gain an insight into Adam Richard Sandler's soul. That's what I want. I think this is this is a good place to start. With Juice Bigelow, male gigolo. That's right. That's our episode this week. We are talking about the 1999 uh, comedy kind of hit. Um, Juice Bigelow, yeah, hit. male gigolo. Um, directed sex by... Sex comedy. Sex comedy. Directed by uh, first-time director Mike Mitchell, who has gone on to have a, a weird career. He, uh, he of um, Trolls fame. Mm. Do, you remember, do you remember Trolls? Which Trolls? Like, the, oh, the, the, the new the, dancing uh, one. Yeah. Yeah? I haven't seen it. Yeah, he's sort of gone on to... After doing this, I think he, he did Sky High, which is actually a really fun kids superhero movie for Disney. Right. You know, perfect trajectory. <laughs> but then he sort of finds his way into, like, really... Well, he's, he seems to be part of the DreamWorks stable. He does uh, Shrek 4 and yep. uh, Trolls, as I mentioned. And also directs uh, Alvin and the Chipmunk ch- uh, Chipwrecked. That's the third in the Alvin the and the Chipmunks franchise. And also the Lego Movie 2. Yeah, Mike Mitchell's... So I, I, the weirdest thing to start off on is that this is a director's first time movie. It's a bawdy sex comedy with very little sex in it, but we'll get to that. Yeah. And it's very strange that, you know, he then just goes on and does a lot of children's movies. <laughs> Maybe this experience just scarred him so much <laughs> that he was like, you know what, the world is horrible. Being an adult is horrible. I'm just going to go and make things for kids because they they know what's pure and good in this world. Josh, can I give you a little uh, bit more of background on Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo? Please do. Do you know the original title for this film? Ooh. Was it just like Sex Man? <laughs> Not far off. It was. He, uh, it wasn't. He it was It wasn't different. Too different from what it ended up being. It was called Juice Bigelow Male Prostitute. <laughs> and they just not got to the rhyme. They just, <laughs> they're just sitting in a writers' room. They're like, oh, prostitute, sex worker, man of the night. Fuck what? But I have to tell you, that wasn't where they ended up. They they, they didn't mean? go straight from Juice Bigelow Male Prostitute to Juice Bigelow Male Gigolo. There was another title in between. Um, Juice Bigelow, not related to Catherine Bigelow, male prostitute. It's spelled differently, but no. <laughs> it oh. was what? Deuce. Just Deuce. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult to say, isn't it? They were just going to bring out a film called Deuce. That's crap. Unless they mean it. Is it like a? Is it like a play on words? Is that what it is? Like Deuce and then like poop? Well, like, like number two. Like drop a like deuce. Drop a deuce. I mean, maybe. I don't know if that really markets the film very well. No. Well, it depends. I mean, if I saw a big poster, if I saw a poster with a big picture of Rob Schneider's face on it and it just said Deuce, I might be intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) What if it said Juice Bigelow, male gigolo? I'd be more intrigued. I'd be inherently annoyed by the tautology of having both male and gigolo in, despite the fact that gigolo is an intrinsically male profession. I just like the idea that there was this sort of, you know, this is, this is, a Disney film, for one thing. It's, it's it? Yeah, it's made by Buena Vista Pictures, which is owned by Disney. So I like really that um, Disney were probably just sitting there, but, you know, uh, Michael Eisner's sitting there going, we can't release a movie called Deuce Bigelow Male Prostitute. <laughs> we gotta have another name. And someone just goes, we could just call it Deuce. I love it. And then he sees the poster that you've described, just Deuce, <laughs> and he goes, people will just think this is doo-doo. 
we need another name. And someone just goes, Duth Bigelow, male Jigalow. And that's the history. That's Hollywood history played out for you right there. That's really good. I don't know how you got those transcripts, but you've got a sick contact. Also, incredible voices. <laughs> Thank you. I hope they come back in future episodes, or even in this episode again. So, shall, shall we go through the, the plot of Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo? Let's do, like, the elevator pitch for Deuce Bigelow, which is the... It's the t- title. Title of the movie. Well, it's yeah, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. Yeah, but for people who haven't seen... It's very That's why you can't just call it Deuce. Plot. That's true. Very quick summary of the plot is that Deuce uh, Bigelow, not yet Male Gigolow, is a fish tank cleaner. He's very um, passionate about fish care. Anyway, he meets this sort of high-flying man, like a, a very well-put-together man played by that one guy from The Mummy who had a great year. Oh, dead fair. Hmm? Oh, dead fair. Played by them. <laughs> no, played by Oh, dead fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he meets this, uh, he meets this sort of high-flying, sexy alpha man played by uh, the guy from The Mummy, Oh, dead fair. <laughs> and and um, who had a great year in 1999. And quickly finds out he's a, he's a male gigolo man uh, who has to go away in business but his fish is sick so rob schneider's deuce bigolo decides to stay behind look after his fish hilarious things happen no everything Antics. goes wrong he accidentally breaks the fish tank through means of insanity yeah and <laughs> through a twist of fate ends up representing himself as a gigolo to make the money to fix the fish tank yeah. and ends up going out with a variety of women who have issues that I don't think would be tackled in such a way today nope. that they were in 1999. Absolutely not. Yeah. Can we start at the beginning? Let's start at the beginning. So the film opens and uh, Deuce is shown immediately working at an aquarium, but he's naked cleaning the tank whilst the aquarium is open so everybody can see him naked. Everyone can see and this the is like dingus. Yes, the Deuce is number one. The Deuce is loose. Uh, the Deuce is loose. Yeah. <laughs> And that's like the first 15 seconds of the movie. Yeah. Uh, he is then being like hauled out by security guards and thrown, thrown out. And immediately what this sets up to us is that Deuce Bigelow is a disgusting person. <laughs> I don't think, well, I mean, that's true, but I don't think it does set that up. What I think it sets up is what I would now classify as the, as the standard Adam Sandler film protagonist, which is someone who's... Actually, no, maybe not. But it just reminded me of a very specific kind of protagonist that I feel I've seen in other Adam Sandler films, though obviously I cannot recall any of them now. Someone who's like really passionate, but also quite dumb and um, unaware. But you see, I, I understand what you're saying. Mm. But at the same time, Deuce to me, because we're going to get into the next scene now, which is Deuce going to the fish shop. Oh yeah, that scene completely undoes everything I've said. Because <laughs> yeah, cause yeah he, in the, first, he... the first scene you're kind of like, oh, he's a sweet man, he's just like a bit bumbling, and also he doesn't understand that maybe it's not great to get your dick out in front of kids. I also say like the first scene again, fifteen seconds long. There's this film, this the opening of this film moves at breakneck speed. It's true. Well, it's only eighty-eight minutes long. The whole thing. Yeah, but the rest through. of the film is a slog. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> this this opening, uh, up until before he becomes a gigolo, it is just like throwing stuff at you. That's true. But it really hooks you in. Like this scene at the fish store, in which um, the film shows us const- he is constantly flirting with the girl at the fish store. Mm. Who I initially thought was Jackie Sandler. No, but Jackie Sandler does pop up. Yeah, yeah, of course she does, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to Jackie Sandler. Yes, he's, he's... I say flirting. It's not really flirting. He just sort of says stuff to her and she's not interested. Flirting, I feel like, needs a back and forth. Yeah, it needs a banter. Yeah, this is harassment. <laughs> yeah. This uh, running joke in the film is that he... He always asks the girl at the fish store to get him sea snails, mm. and when she does so, 
she has to dip her top into the water to get the sea snails from the bottom of the uh, tank, and that way he can see her nipples. Yeah, it's very good. It's a very <laughs> this good is setup. Exhibit B of why he's <laughs> just a disgusting dickhead. person that we're about to spend eighty-eight minutes with. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to again be like. Well, I suppose this is what this is how I'm looking. This is the prism I'm looking at these films through. Is like, what does this say about Adam Sandler? And again, this feels like another sort of character that I've seen, like a B character in these Adam Sandler films, which is the clueless sex object. Yeah, who's like, I mean, vaguely doesn't have any agency apart from she offers resistance, but then she still does something that like gets the guy off. You see what I mean? Yeah. I need to do more research, listeners. This will become apparent. Let's let's take a stop for a second on the movie and just uh, let's talk about Rob Schneider for a second. Yeah, I don't know anything about him. So Rob Schneider came up with Adam Sandler on Saturday Night Live. Mm. I like to think I know a bit of Saturday Night Live. In case listeners can't tell, we're in the UK where Saturday Night Live isn't really a thing no. um, outside of YouTube clips. My main knowledge of skits that Schneider had on Saturday Night Live was he played a guy in an office who would say, Oh, hey, Barbarino, Bobby, Bobdo. He like just would annoy people Wonderful comedy. in an office. That was that was sort of it. People, he was like sat next to the copier, so anytime someone would go to the copier, they'd have to deal with him. That was kind of his whole bit. <laughs> That's all he did. Did he do anything super racist? I think racist? he was like quite big in the. I mean, I'm sure he did. Okay, the character I'm referring to, the office worker, is called the Richmeister, um, yeah, nice. who annoys people by giving them nicknames as they make copies. He apparently also played a character called the sensitive naked man, which I can only imagine has led to. Do you speak low, male jiggler? <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so he was on SNL with Soundler, which I'm guessing is where they met and developed a friendship. And then um, before he, this is his first like lead role in a movie. But before that, he he'd been. You remember him as Cedric in Home Alone Two? Yes, that's the as bellboy. The, uh, he was isn't a it? bellman. Yeah, the bellboy at the hotel. So you know, he has worked with the president of the United States. Christ. Um, <laughs> and the leader of the uh, Soviet a, Empire. This is true. Tim Curry. This is very true. <laughs> he was also in Surf Ninjas alongside Leslie Nielsen. Christ. Demolition Man, which is his first of two roles opposite um, Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> two years after Demolition Man, he appears in Judge Dredd. Shit, yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's the comic relief in Judge Dredd. That, fi- that, that feels like on the right level for Rob Schneider is <laughs> comic relief in films. He should never be a leading man <laughs> in any sense. Well, I guess that's it, because before getting to Deuce Bigelow, he has a sort of history of supporting roles in terrible movies. So uh, he was in the cinematic remake of The Beverly Hillbillies as the sort of comedic villain. So the, the I think Leah Thompson is the real villain in that movie, and he's like her wacky assistant. He was in Down Periscope, opposite uh, Frasier himself, Kelsey Grammer, Wonderful. playing sort of a naval idiot. He was in a Pinocchio movie. I think it's the one where... Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas is Pinocchio. Uh, Do you remember that one? No, obviously really not. Creepy. I haven't seen. I haven't seen <laughs> that. Really I don't know who Jonathan Taylor Thomas is. I mean, I've heard the name. You don't know I know who Jonathan JTT. Taylor Thomas I know the name JTT. He was on Home Improvement. Yeah, I've not seen that. He was one of the so, kids on Home Improvement. Yeah. You've not seen Home Improvement? No, You're I know he became gosh. a thing. I know he was like a '90s thing. He was the voice of Young Simba. Oh, okay, fine. And <laughs> I'm glad that Rob Schneider worked with the voice of Young Simba. Young Simba. I think it all comes ahead in 1998, where Rob Schneider cameos in the ridiculously big Adam Sandler hit, The Waterboy, where he debuts his uh, You Can Do It character. Yeah, his first dabble of on-screen cinematic racism. Yeah. Which would permeate the rest of his career. (laughs) Though he'll tell you otherwise. Yes. That leads us to Deuce Bigelow, and I don't think we'll go any further than that. Other than he was also, in 1999, he was also in Adam Sandler's Big Daddy, 
as the delivery man. Was another vaguely racist racist (laughs) character. Probably, I would imagine, his most beloved character, other than the Richmeister. What? Deuce or the or the delivery guy? The the delivery guy from Big Daddy. Yeah. What? Not not the uh, Native American guy from uh, the Ridiculous Six, or the Japanese man from I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, or there's another. Well, maybe maybe one. just the you can do that you can do it guy. That was even sampled on that Offspring song. <laughs> the only reason I say that it's his most beloved character is that he pops up in another Adam Sandler movie that we'll get to. As oh, yes. the delivery man from 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 Big Daddy. Yes, true. So I, I somehow think that that means he must be beloved in some way for him to make a reappearance. I don't think it's that at all. I think Adam Sandler just likes paying money to his friends <laughs> and That's, good on him. Yeah, but it could have been any character. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I guess this supports your theory that we haven't really got into of the Adam Sandler cinematic universe. That it all takes That's place true. in the same temporal and It's going to build to a big endgame style finale where Shooter McGavin <laughs> gathers all <laughs> the Adam Sandler characters to oh. have like one big face off. He wants to put an end to Popeye's chicken or something. Oh, no. I don't know. Is there anything Adam Sandler loves? Anyway, well, that's another question I want to answer by the end of this podcast series. Does Adam Sandler Let's love jump back anything? to the movie that yes. we are only. Uh, we're less than three minutes into Jesus Christ. <laughs> because I have written the, the end of the fish tank scene where the girl has wet her shirt. He has the line, have a good nipple. <laughs> doesn't even make sense. Yep, doesn't sound like have a nice day. Or... It'd be better if it was have a nipple day. Yeah, at least then you've got the ends. Um, yeah. See you later, Ariola. That could have been something. <laughs> I feel like it's supposed to be a Freudian slip, though. That's not a Freudian A Freudian slip. nip. That's just, that's, that's, yeah, oh. oh. <laughs> That would have been better. What if he'd have said? If he had, if he'd he'd said, said "Have a good nipple," and then say, "Sorry, that was a Freudian nip." That's a funnier joke. That's a much funnier joke. But sadly, um, I was only ten in 1999. Next up in in this film that is going just clicking along, not like us. We are introduced to Oded Fair. What is his character name? Antoine. Antoine. Antoine Lecomte. Antoine Lecomte. He's driving up to a home where Deuce is going to well he's going to like the neighbor's place and Antoine is going into his house with a sexy lady sexy woman and while while Antoine takes this lady to his house to have his way with Deuce is doing something he does twice in the movie which has made me wonder if this is like something that actually happens he is using a plunger to save a goldfish that has been flushed down the toilet while still alive mm. this is one of the funniest scenes of the movie do you think oh yeah no it's I, do. uh, I didn't laugh what he he's plunging away whilst he can hear sex noises from the next apartment, and he is trying to cover up the sex noises while a small child stands there uh, by plunging as fast as the sex is going next door. I mean, academically, it sounds funny on the screen. Like it's, I, I like, was just like, oh, for, fuck's sake, for this movie, it is one of the funnier moments. Yeah, maybe. I mean, we'll get to it. I I'm gonna judge all of these films as well on how many times I laughed for the comedies, at least. I'm not expecting to laugh that much in Rain Over Me. Um, I didn't count how much. I did you not? This movie. Oh, can you collect that data for next <laughs> I, week? I don't I'd like think. I don't. I have written down like lines I did find funny. Yeah, fair enough. Deuce meets Antoine, and Antoine invites him into his home to look at his fish. Yes, I'd like to circle back uh, very quickly. There was another Adam Sandler hallmark in this that I'm not sure if you if you noticed, but um, Juice gets attacked by a carp. Is this a recurring theme? This is a recurring theme in Adam Sandler films, I feel, of humans getting into fights with aggressive animals. You know what? You're not wrong. So there's the koi in this. There's, well, you'll see when we get to Paul Blackmore Cop 2. Which is, this This fish is referred to as the world's deadliest goldfish, which, again, kind of a funny line. 
Sort of, yeah, I get it. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> it's not sort a laugh of. out loud line, but just the idea of the world's deadliest goldfish. There's something in that. Nothing good, but something. <laughs> There's an idea that a goldfish could be deadly. But yeah, I'm hoping by the end by the end of this series again, I want to know what. Adam Sandler really thinks of the natural world that, you know, there's a bird that attacks Paul Blart, there's a deer that I think attacks someone in Grown Ups 1 or 2. Yeah, that's right, and there's like a deer in Grown Ups 1 and there's like sort of rowdy reindeer in Eight Crazy Nights. I'm telling you, man. And, um, and I'm pretty... Does someone fight an ostrich? Oh, that definitely happens in something, but I'm not sure which... Uh, oh, there's the crocodile. In what I know. In Happy Gilmore. In Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Um, I might be thinking of Dude Wears My Car for the ostrich. Oh, yeah. Anyway, they they Um, exist in the same cinematic universe. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting that this feels like the first... Well, it's the first Happy Madison film, full stop, but also the first Happy Madison film with an aggressive animal. It's it's an interesting track to go down. (laughs) We'll see. We'll definitely... Maybe we'll do, like, a rating of all the aggressive animals as we go on. Oh, that'd be good. So far, (laughs) this goldfish, which I thought was a koi, (laughs) this goldfish is number one. He goes to Antoine's apartment, which does have two lines that I found funny. One is when Deuce is introduced to Antoine's fish collection, including this very rare uh, big fish, to which um, Deuce says it's valued at around $8,000, and Antoine responds, oh, I paid $10,000. And Deuce just goes, oh, well, you overpaid, which I just found funny. Just a weird thing to say to somebody. Again, it shows that he's sort of clueless, but nice and happy, maybe. Although it's kind of a low-key dick thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't know, I found that a funny line. And then also, Antoine removes himself from the scene to go to the loo at one point, and just says, must make pee-pee. Yeah. <laughs> Again, I didn't laugh at that bit, but I can I see why it would be funny. I did laugh at must make pee-pee. You did? I did. I did laugh at must make pee-pee. That's fine. I didn't laugh until... I'm looking at it about 27 minutes into the film, and I want you to guess what part it was later when we get to it. I I, I wrote after Must Make PP, my note was, I want this movie to be about Antoine instead. Oh my god, imagine. (laughs) We we see Deuce's apartment, which is kind of shit. More racism. Yeah. He also gets a taxi that is covered in Pepsi logos. I did not pick up on that. I just was like, oh. But did you did you notice that you really wanted a Pepsi? I did. I did. I looked at my box full of Coke Zeros and went, none of these are good enough. So he then has to go back to Antoine's because Antoine's fish gets sick, and Deuce is the only person he can think of to talk to about fish. Yep. What I didn't get at this point was he seems to be quite an expert about fish. This is like a skill. Why is his life so shit? He has a talent. I don't know. I think maybe it goes back to the whole hapless thing where he. Well, I mean, you, well. We'll get to this. Actually, no, fuck it. Let's not do this linearly. But, you know, down to things like later on in the film, he gets paid $10 for not having sex with someone. And this makes his life. He's like, oh my God, I got $10. And then the next time he tries to bang someone, he also asks for $10. So I think it's just he has incredibly low expectations and doesn't know his true worth. I think that's what it is. I think this film is about someone um, gaining confidence in themselves so that they can... This is interesting because I've been trying to figure out what this film is about. Because this is my biggest problem with this film, is that I don't think Deuce really has a journey. Deuce kind of stays the same throughout the whole thing. He doesn't seem unconfident at the beginning of the movie. He's cleaning a fish tank while naked. That's true. Okay. I suppose it's I suppose it's the awareness. <laughs> the awareness is the major thing. Maybe at the beginning you're like, he's sort of drifting through life. He hasn't got, like, he hasn't got a purpose. I mean, he's got talents, obviously. He can deal with fish. He can deal with tanks. Other water-based activities but by the end but he doesn't find a purpose like it's not like he finds out that he was born to be a gigolo i don't know man i think he kind of <laughs> does 
but not your traditional gigolo. Maybe, look, what we are forgetting is that this is a two-part story. That's true. And we have only seen part one. We have not watched Juice Bigelow European Gigolo, which is the sequel, which we will get to. Oh, I cannot wait. But perhaps that will sort of fill in the gaps. Yeah, we can hope. Of Juice's story. So through some convoluted reasons, Antoine has to go to Europe on business, which he is a gigolo, so, like, what, is he got to go and have sex with somebody? He's got to go bang the queen. <laughs> this movie should be about Anton. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, yeah, it would be so much better. I want to see where he's going with that uh, padded box of dildos. <laughs> well, yeah, so he has to go, and so he needs Deuce to stay at his house and look after the fish. But what happens? Well, again, through convoluted circumstances... Deuce tries to use uh, Anton's anti-gravity boots to work out and put, does it while he's making toast. While he's making a grilled cheese sandwich, <laughs> which really is stressed it a me cheese out. Sandwich? Yeah, it's a grilled cheese sandwich that he's just got the two slices of bread, he's put the cheese in the middle, he's put both of those in the toaster, but there's no, like, bag to catch the cheese. There's no grate to keep it together. It's just a fucking nightmare. It's, it's definitely not going to work out well for Deuce <laughs> because, as we see, <laughs> it immediately just sets on fire. <laughs> As as well as a collection of Girl Scout cookies that Deuce has purchased because a Girl Scout came to his door while he accidentally puts porn on. That old uh, that old trope. That old chestnut. Um, you found out something about Deuce's Girl Scout companion in this movie. I did earlier, just before recording. <laughs> I got really shocked when I found out that um, the girl playing the Girl Scout cookie seller girl is... Rob Schneider's daughter. Who could have foreseen <laughs> nepotism? Do you know who Rob Schneider's daughter is? I do not. Who is Rob Schneider's daughter? Rob Schneider's daughter is um, songstress L. King, who had a hit a few years back with that X's and O's song. Wow, I don't know that song <laughs> at all. It's a, it's a popular song. I'm sure it is. I feel like I definitely have heard, well, I've heard the term X's and O's, obviously. So maybe... <laughs> It was kind of like a. I remember we used to work in an office together. And I remember it being played on the, uh, on the playlist, the Spotify playlist that we had I, there. Oh, so. I probably have heard it. Yeah, I just, <laughs> it's not memorable. Or maybe it. Maybe I'll go away and listen to it after this, and maybe it'll become my top Spotify track of all time. Who knows? Anyway, Rob Schneider's daughter. So yes, he he break he while trying to get down from his gravity boots, he grabs the fish tank. Which immediately starts moving. At that point, I would let go of the fish tank. Yeah. Like, when it starts, like, moving along. But no, Deuce ends up pulling the fish tank onto the floor, causing all the fish to go everywhere. Um, and and smash, and he finds out that to replace it, it's going to cost him, is it $10,000? Uh, yeah, it's like 5 to 10. It's like 6000 maybe? Something like that. Something anyway. like that. It's very expensive fish tank. Uh, which is expensive by... Another fucking terrible character. This is weird as well, because this is someone I was like, oh, this must be a guy who appears in lots of Adam Sandler movies. It is he not. He doesn't. He's not in anything. It's I don't recognise him at all, but they just bring him in to be like a vaguely, like, gay-coded man who just speaks in euphemisms. Yeah, he's an innuendo delivery machine. That's all he and is. None of, none of them are good enough to stand out to me to remember. Oh, no, I wrote them down. Oh, uh, please Because share. I really hated it. Uh, yeah, I've written down that he is uh, my least favourite character. It was absolutely awful. It comes out of nowhere. But yeah, some some sample lines of dialogue are, I'm up to my bicep, if you know what I mean. Um, I'm not trying Good. to do you dry. And uh, why don't you take the night... So shit. Why don't you take the night and squat on it? Like, what the fuck is this guy doing? What's his point? He's, yeah, he sort of comes... And he comes back later. Yeah, he, come back, um, he comes back later for some uh, more, more shit. More jolly fun. Yeah, not a great character. 
Uh, but that's sort of that's sort of again a running theme <laughs> of these what, movies. What homophobia? Not great characters. Homophobia and shit characters. Yeah, very true. Can you have one without the other? Discuss. That's not really discuss, but the answer is no. At the same time, Deuce answers the phone at Antoine's place, and is uh, again through a series of misunderstandings is whisked away to take on Antoine's oil as a gigolo for a woman who has a dog locked in her cupboard. Second, second mad animal in the film. Second, <laughs> in the film. So, which is, so what's your ranking now? Is it the deadly goldfish or the angry dog who ruins Deuce's night of passion? I think it's the... Oh, I don't know, actually. Because, you know, the goldfish, I do like... Yeah, it's a, it's a goldfish. You expect it to be quite placid. Oh, no, it's quite angry. Whereas dogs, you're like, oh, I understand it could be bad. But it's just the way that... Yeah, it could be Cujo. Is it, yeah, it could be Cujo. But the way that the his, his John, or Joan, I suppose, is just like, oh, he never normally gets through the door... Actually, Josh, what they are referred to in this movie, which again is something I thought was not laugh out loud funny, but better than other stuff, is they're referred to as she Johns, <laughs> as as he is referred to as a man whore, yeah. which I didn't find very funny. She they are referred to as she Johns, which I did find funny. Well, that's another thing that this film trades on, isn't it? Is uh, the inherent sort of misogyny of seeing sex work as an intrinsically female thing, which you know obviously it has long tradition um but yeah it's the oldest profession well um, yeah very good <laughs> yeah yes i suppose <laughs> it is um but yeah it's just like the whole way through the film and it kind of goes along with the weird homophobia that also permeates the film in various places but it's just like like there's something they keep having to qualify that he's like a manly sex worker not like the other sex workers he's a manly sex worker and everything is yeah he whore or he's a he-man pimp or Etc. Et which a pimp is usually a man. I know. What does he which... say? He says like, "Think of me as a male madam" or something like that. So everything is like everything is to do with gender and also homophobia. So everything has got like pronouns in front of it. Yeah, everything has to be qualified. Yeah, but I did. I will say that she John is just quite a funny expression. That's true, I suppose. <laughs> can, can I ask, Josh? Is is this the point where you laughed for the first time? No, it's not. When when he asks her, "Did I bring you pleasure?" and she says, "Not really." No, that wasn't. Um, I think I was still. <laughs> No, I d- actually was it. I know that two happened really quickly. No, no, I yeah, I have a very strong recollection now of what my first laugh was, and I don't think it's going to be anything that made you laugh. I will say, like, so at this point, the movie has been moving at sort of breakneck speed. He's gone from working in an aquarium to working as a fish guy to staying in this guy's apartment to wrecking the fish tank to becoming a gigolo. Yeah. And at this point, so at this point, I'm kind of like, I'm not really enjoying myself, and I'm kind of going with it. You know, like, it's moving along at a speed that is like, okay, yeah, sure, this is fine. No, I get, I totally get what you mean. This is sort of like, you know, it's passable. It was deeply passable, uh, and also at this point I was locked in, just being like, <laughs> I have nothing else to do tonight, I have to watch this for the podcast. I will just let it flow through me, and I will experience it. I will not try to challenge it. I will just accept, I will just accept whatever the fuck happens on this fucking film. So he he doesn't have sex with this woman. He gets paid $10 for the privilege of not having sex with her, but having to come out anyway. It's a good deal. And from that, he decides that he is going to try and pick up women in bars yeah. to have them pay him to have sex with them. Or to not. I have no real idea what his plan is here. No, because he doesn't but seem he to... Go, he, does, it's not even established whether he knows how to have sex. <laughs> That's he goes to... He goes to a bar, and uh, comedian Norm MacDonald makes a cameo as a uh, guy at the bar. Yeah. Um, which, 
I like Norm Macdonald, he's not very funny here. This led to a moment where I was completely shocked. He orders a martini, mm. and the martini costs $8.50, to which he is, he balks at. It's too much money. He then he spits it, he spits back, it back out after out, taking a little, and sip. then orders a cranberry juice, which is three dollars, which he is fine with. Just take the eight dollar fifty martini. That's that's it's always going to be a more expensive drink. What a three dollar cranberry juice is really expensive for a cranberry juice. It is incredibly expensive. Yeah, well, I guess Deuce doesn't understand value. <laughs> he understands raw money, more currency. That's just true. Well, I he mean, understands he, raw <laughs> currency values, but from not what value. it seems is that he only has ten dollars in the world. Which he ends up spending eleven fifty on these two drinks in the end. Yeah. So he's he's already in debt. Yeah. <laughs> he's not come out ahead of his non-sexy lederhosen party. Anyway, skipping away from the economics of Juice Bigelow, mm. he meets a woman in the bar who he tries to pick up as his first she-john. Um, but what he doesn't realize is that she herself is a prostitute, a female gigolo, and sex worker, a sex worker, and they are. Uh, he takes her back to Antoine's place, and it ends up they try to have sort of a negotiation where she, I think, she asks for five hundred dollars, and he asks for ten. To yeah. which she, um, they then have a fight. We then get the first of two Matrix references. This I've written this down because how quickly did they have to put in these Matrix references? So I, I looked it up because I was shocked. I mean, after I mean, we we've talked about it before personally, obviously not on the podcast because this is the first episode, but how quickly. South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut put in a Star Trek... Star Trek? <laughs> Fucking hell. Star Wars, Wars Episode 1. Yeah, Phantom Menace reference. And it was something like six weeks since the release the release of Star but Wars. But the difference between that is that South Park is a crudely animated feature which just needed one line of dialogue put in. Yeah, so this... Because it, it comes up twice and they're quite extensive scenes. So The Matrix comes out, as you well know, Jack, I imagine, on the 11th of June, 1999. So this is a December release. Juice Bigelow comes out 2nd of December. Yeah. So that means what? They had six months or just under six months? So here's my theory. I do think this film was put together pretty quickly uh, when I was looking up sort of history on it. Mm. Because it wasn't really announced in the trades until uh, Big Daddy had become a hit. I think Big Daddy was the blank check, that, um, not to reference another podcast, that uh, (laughs) Adam Sandler needed to make his own production company because Big Daddy is also a 1999 film. Uh, when in 1999 is that? Also, I said 2nd of December. I actually somehow mean the 10th. I have no idea where I got the 2nd from. Big Daddy was released on June 25th, so only Jesus two weeks after Christ. The Matrix. So, yeah, so I would imagine that because that was a huge hit for Adam Sandler, it ended up making $234 million worldwide. And wow. that, you know, I, I I would guess that Deuce Bigelow was shot in about three weeks. And edited in two days. <laughs> I mean, they were, their editing technique was just cut as much as they can. Yeah. <laughs> Make it as short as possible, please, for the love of fucking That's Christ. That's why it starts at such a breakneck speed. True. Yeah, so they have this big Matrixy fight, which is exciting in a sort of way. Yeah, it's uh, when we say Matrixy fight, it's he bends backwards while stuff is thrown at him. Yeah, and he also does the the leapy jump. That's that's the, that's later. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's Shit. the second reference in the fights at the end of the movie. Sorry, Two I fight scenes in this movie. Brilliant. The lady sex worker soon figures out that he is. This is Anton's apartment, and uh, uh, Deuce has been parading as a as a male gigolo. To which 
we enter the, I guess, second lead of the movie, Eddie Griffin. TJ. TJ, his male pimp. (laughs) Male madam is man, man. I don't fucking know. I don't remember. (laughs) I think TJ's supposed to be funny. I find him pretty unbearable. Oh, yeah, Um, big time. Apart from the Shiji online. Most of uh, Eddie Griffin's scenes seem to be filmed in a hot tub. Yeah, I reckon that was a contractual obligation. <laughs> he just It's just him and Schneider sitting in a hot tub in like, multiple different scenes. Same hot tub, which I just imagine they just did in one long take. Absolutely, with different foodstuffs. <laughs> so TJ agrees to be his male madam and starts sending Juice out. Oh, there's a really, really short makeover montage. Yeah. In which Juice gets waxed and gets a palm that then disappears. Almost immediately. It's a really short montage. I've I've also forgot to mention that there there are two appearances of Smash Mouth on this soundtrack. Two appearances of who? Smash Mouth. Oh yeah. Before Shrek. That's good. Yeah, that's um. It's the same year as Mystery Men, so it's the same year that All Star is really breaking up the charts. True. So, but yeah, come on, come on, makes an appearance, and it's got the um the cover of uh, I can't get enough of you, baby. It's a great soundtrack. It's a real good soundtrack. It's a classic. (laughs) It went platinum. He's now going out on dates with... um, with, So this is it. Because I can't really figure out. He's supposed to go to have sex with these these women. Yes. But it ends up that he just ends up dating them. So he's more like a cool guy. Um, Does he date them? Well, I suppose... Right, yeah. I suppose this is the major thrust of the film, is that he gets with a gallery of weird... And wonderful, that that's in quotation marks, by the way, because all of these people are perfectly normal. Um, weird and wonderful she-johns. So you've got the first one who's just fat. That's it. She, this is Fluisa, who is referred to horribly at one point as Jabba the Slut. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, so the way so he gets there and he sees that this is also uh, so Fluisa is played by uh, musical artist Big Boy who is known for his size. Uh, one of two of his uh, Shijons that are actually played by men. Yeah, I thought so. Um, uh, so, the, so the way he gets out of sleeping with this uh, large lady is that he says he's gay and that she must have called the wrong agency. He could, that she must have called the very gay gigolo agency. Jesus Christ. Now, the irony is not lost, though, in that he's saying he can't sleep with her because he's gay as this character is being played by a man. Yeah. It's quite it's quite a conundrum to put yourself into. Did, I suppose. It was your first laugh when uh We've not got to it yet. I oh, I was hoping it was when Juice asked, tells um Fluisa that she's made a mistake and Fluisa responds with Did you say steak? No, that I just groaned. It, <laughs> I hated the whole thing where it's just like I really hate the character the entire way through where every you know, she's eating a cake and then at some point she gets saved by the fact that she has a chicken stuffed down her tits. Oh, that's that's in my it's notes. Just, it's just all she, instead. Well, horrible. instead of sleeping together, they end up playing a card game called Cakes and Pies. No, they don't. They play what's it called? It's called Fast Food Trivia, and oh, it's meant it? to be. I just remember her pursuit. going Cakes and Pies, Cakes and Pies. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's like a Trivial Pursuit style game, okay. and Cakes and Pies is the is the category. It's very sad, and she the, she still he, she still pays him for this, and then also books his services again later. But this is the thing: the film is about him. It's actually quite a chaste for a sex comedy. It's a really chaste film about a man who doesn't want to sleep with anyone who doesn't quite fit into like hot girl generic standards, and so it's about him being like, "Look, you don't need me to fuck you to feel something." 
you need me to treat you like a normal human being and play a card game with you. Wouldn't this make more sense if we'd seen that like before Juice became a gigolo, that he, he had this sort of issues with women? Yeah, no, it would have. It would have, because at the moment it just comes out fucking nowhere. You know what film sort of does this better, even though it's still not a very good film? Yeah, go on. The better version of Juice Bigelow is Shallow Hal. Fuck, that's true. The journey that Shallow Hal goes through in that film is more interesting. It's still not quite appropriate. Still not good. I mean, you have a leading man in Jack Black who is much more of a leading man than Rob Schneider. Even both quite unconventional leading men, but still, Jack Black can act circles around Rob Schneider. True. It's, yeah, Shallow Hal is the better Juice Bigelow. You heard it here first. <laughs> Remake Juice Bigelow, but with yeah, Jack Black. You heard it here script. last. Yeah, also no one will ever talk about this film ever again. So move it. So he 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 dates uh, Fluisa, but then then we come to what is possibly my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah. Not because it's funny, but because it's actually just quite a nice scene. Is it him and his dad? It's him and his dad, played by character actor Richard Real. So my first laugh of the film occurred in this scene. Okay. And I want you to try and guess what the laugh was. I couldn't I could I couldn't tell you. I can't is it just that is it just when he, he's gone he's gone to the toilet at what looks like an expensive restaurant. Yeah. And whilst doing it, he, he is greeted by a toilet attendant who he then just refers to as dad out of nowhere. Yeah, that was it. And his that dad was your it. first <laughs> was it. All it was was him <laughs> him going up, washing his hands, turning to the attendant and going, Hey dad <laughs> But I just thought that was such a beautiful like this is genuinely the best part and it's you know why this is the best part of the movie go on because richard real plays it so well like real feeling i mean he's got this awful like diatribe about sleeping with juice's prostitute mother yes is is that right so like it's almost implied that like juice was born to be a prostitute yeah um yeah he adds something to this scene he plays it with pathos very strangely, it is every moment that this film works, it's, which is very, very rare, infrequently. Like, um, Richard Real is on screen, or maybe William Forsyth. Oh my god, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get to him. Um, <laughs> he's, he's soon. He's incredibly soon, but not before we've met um, two other f- galleries of uh, she Johns. We've got the tall one. Who, Tina. Tina the tall one, who I assume is also played by a man. This is played by uh, Torsten Vogus, who is probably best known as one of the nihilists from Big Lebowski. Fuck! <laughs> um, oh, the tall nihilist Jesus from Big Christ. Lebowski. What a, is Big Lebowski 90, it's 98, isn't it? Yeah, it's What recent. a run. Um, <laughs> but this is, not, this is not the last time we will see Mr. Vogus in a, a Happy Manson movie, because he later pops up in Funny People. Oh, really? And later on, even more so in the do-over. Oh, fuck. So, uh, you know, stick around for more Voges talk. So, yeah, we just have, like, a load of terrible tall jokes, um, including Adam Sandler screaming freak. Yeah, so this is Adam Sandler's cameo in this movie. He's off-screen yelling that she's freak and freakishly tall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed he did. Um, it, yeah, very strange cameo. Um, it's not even jokes about her being tall. It is very much just she is tall that that in itself is supposed to be funny yeah i know well this is what i'm saying is the whole film is is just really sad and horrible where it's kind of like these women don't fit the status quo they don't fit the paradigm and therefore they are unworthy and worthy of being screamed at in the street even with like the fluisa stuff of she's fat there are jokes in that she's fat they're not good jokes they're very offensive and very horrid 
But with Tina, it is just... She's tall! <laughs> Isn't yeah, that funny? They're not but, even doing the other classic sort of, you know, tall woman jokes in other films I feel like I've seen, like, you know, where they kind of emasculate the man. Yeah. You know, well, and which not is so easy to do tall, because of tall shelves. Well, Schneider is tiny as well. Oh, is he? Which... Oh, don't you think so? Schneider's a very short man. I don't know. I always find it difficult to judge. <laughs> okay. He, uh, he is definitely not tall. Um, I'm trying to see if I can find his height. Uh, he is four foot two. Can't. Yeah, that's short. No, he's not. Is I that true? Know. No, no, okay. it's not true. It's not true. I thought you just made that up. I did make that up, yes. Uh, he is five foot three and a half. So yes, quite so that's short. That's pretty short. Like, there are no jokes about, like, their height difference or how tiny he is. And he's very short compared to most of the women in this movie. True. Yeah, they do nothing with it. We meet her. We meet Tina, this poor... Who, again, he doesn't have sex with... Because instead he, um, he pleasures her He rubs her feet. her feet. Yeah, he doesn't do a Tarantino and wipe his dick on her feet or anything. He just gives her a massage. Oh, he just rubs her feet. Just which is good feet. enough for her to pay for full price for his male gigoloing. A half laugh. I, I haven't counted it as a full laugh. But when he steps out in the morning and he's wearing the giant basketball t-shirt, I was like, that's that's quite nice. That's like the only tall joke that, <laughs> that comes in. This is when we meet the cop. Oh my fucking god, my favourite character. This is when we meet William Forsyth. Yeah, my second laugh. Has... My second laugh of the film. Your second laugh of the film. So he plays um, Detective Chuck Fowler. What, what, what is your second laugh of the film? My second laugh is just they're having a normal conversation and then he unzips his trousers and takes out his dick. That's literally it. That's literally the whole joke. You wouldn't be laughing if that happened in real life. No, I wouldn't be laughing if that happened in real life. But, I, but it didn't. And I did laugh. And um, I laughed subsequently every other fucking time that it happened. So this is kind of the antagonist of the movie? Sort of. He He's a detective who's trying to break a case on TJ. And he knows that Deuce is man-whoring himself. Yeah. So... <laughs> so he decides to put pressure on him because he kind of knows he's like a dingus. Or he's new he, to it. He Forsyth, who... Do you know William Forsyth from anything else? Uh, the Rock. All I remember so writing I've down... I've never seen The Rock. Oh, he's in Raising Arizona. So this film is like picking its Cohen cast. Yeah. I just wrote down, oh, that guy who only plays cop shows up playing a cop. <laughs> <laughs> he was in, um, he's in Dick Tracy, which he does not play a cop. Oh, okay. He plays a baddie. He's he just plays his whole action in this film is that he plays it very intense. Yeah, but I love that. He's incredible. He brings such passion to every scene. It's bit like I think that's why I laugh every time he unzips his trousers because it's just like it's such an aggressive action every time he does it and comes. It's so frenetic. We later mm-hmm. find out that the reason he is so angry is because his wife is cheating on him with Antoine, and yes. it's because he he has a not small penis. But very thin penis. His dick is too thin. And everyone knows it's width that brings pleasure. <laughs> I mean, I will say, like, that conjured up some images for me that I did not really want in my head. What, just of his tiny, thin needle dick? Just his thin, thin needle penis. Mm. So he reports back to TJ, and TJ's like, just ignore the cop, man. That's another scene in the hot tub. Is it ice cream the first time, or is it the one... This really it's, annoyed it's me. It's ice cream. Oh, okay. No, is it? Yeah, it's, it's money later. But there's one where he's eating a sandwich, and I remember noticing that he drops a slice of tomato into the hot tub, and I was like, "Oh, that's weird." And then later on, Juice Bigelow picks it off his chest, and I was like, oh, "Okay, it was all just to set that joke up." But then it cuts to the wide, and the tomato is still in there. <laughs> Which, this movie yeah, was shot in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. I shouldn't. I think now that I think about it, that insert the because the it's a wide shot where the tomato's still in it, I think they realised that they 
could make a joke out of it. So they shot the close up afterwards. I think that's what they did. Anyway, yeah, movie magic. Definitely made on the fly. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even have a script. They just went, oh, what the fuck do we do? But um, you know what this film does have? Amy Bloody Polar. <laughs> Amy Polar in her, I believe, her first big screen appearance. Yeah, because this is pre Wet Hot American pre- Summer, isn't it? Yeah, as pre her on SNL. So this is just her working probably in Chicago as an improv comedian. And what what improv do you get in this film? You just get fucking shit correct. <laughs> I was really excited when she showed up because I thought, okay, we're going to see something because she is an inherently funny person. But no, what you get is real tight, really tired Tourette's jokes where it's just like she screams fuck asses at people over and over and over again. But what does Deuce do to make that okay? He takes it to a baseball game. Where it's okay to shout obscenities. I will say for this, this is the first time the movie has like tried to do something narratively to have Deuce be nice instead of just true. pretending to be gay with Louisa or touching <laughs> Tina's feet. You know? Yeah, it's the first one where it's kind of like he does it it's a positive action rather than like a reaction to try and not have to bang someone. Yeah. And then they don't have sex. You're not really sure why they don't have sex after a while. I have no idea. I don't know. Because he doesn't seem to be unattracted to her For, he doesn't I, seem to be attracted or unattracted he just he's neutral i do have a note that um at one point i was thinking like why are all these women paying to not have sex with rob schneider and then i realized <laughs> it's you would pay to not have sex i'm with telling rob you it's because this film is horrible and it wants you to think that these women cannot like they're so weird in in um quotation marks that they cannot even maintain friendships like they don't even have friends that they can play fast food trivial pursuit with or rub their feet or go to a ball game with it's awful so is the, the next day is kate who is our female lead yes because he then goes uh, yeah yeah it's he goes out with kate next who is played by um aria barakas aria barakas yes I, I don't think i've ever seen this girl in anything else and she's not bad in this she doesn't have much to do no she has absolutely oh she's in the purge she has like I will say this for the film. They do give her like some joke lines. Well, they give her another sort of stupid sex thing of the innuendo thing where they're walking around being like, oh, going up there, it just, it's not natural. I don't know how men do it either. And then it's revealed they're talking about fucking astronauts. Not fucking astronauts, just astronauts. No, they're, they're talking about astronauts. Yes, instead so of she's saying, uh, she's saying that the... she will never go into space. She'd rather do and then anal. ends with, I'd, yeah, rather take it out of the butt. <laughs> I, you know what? Christ. I thought that was okay. Like, you know, like it was just for a film that is so like devoid of humor. I was like, oh, it's a constructed joke. It was an attempt. Yeah. <laughs> it was an attempt. No, that's the thing, Jack. I feel like so. I I got very angry. Well, I was just annoyed and like, oh, this is tired. I feel like you entered a new level of despair around the tall woman, where you were like, if if they're even attempting to make a joke, I'm here for it. The thing is. Like I've I, I've been really dreading watching this movie because I've just assumed it is the utter worst, and I will say spoiler for later I gave this two out of five stars on, yeah. on Letterboxd. I think we um, have the same score then. Yeah, I because in the end I was just like, well, it's not it's not good, but it didn't it offended me, but not to a point where I was just like I was bothered enough. It sort of beat me down into a sort of submission. Yeah, yeah, I did. I'd agree with that assessment. Like, there's some deeply horrible things in it uh i get no i haven't gotten into that sentence there's just some deeply horrible things in it so but I, also i did laugh seven times so you know what's the truth what i couldn't understand is actually that uh aria B- barakas is playing this quite well in that she, she 
she, she well, she's not playing well. You, you have no idea what she sees in Deuce all of a sudden. She goes on a date with him and well, seems no. immediately enamored with him. I know what the film wants you to think she sees in him. The... Because again, as it is revealed later, she is another one of the, open quotation marks, gallery of freaks. <laughs> in that, oh, she's missing a leg. And again, I'm telling you, this whole film is constructed around... And in fact, it comes to... Well, spoilers for later. But maybe it's a feminist film, possibly, um, in a really stupid It's definitely of, not. This film does not pass well, the Bechdel test. No, it, makes, no, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. But it makes an attempt later on, which I'll bring up. I, I'm but, quite curious um, if any of the Happy Madison films will pass the Bechdel test. Grown Ups, I reckon, might do. I think the, hot, the, the House Bunny might. House Bunny must. Hot chick. Um, anyway, it comes down to she's a she's a freak because she doesn't have a leg, and therefore what Rob Schneider, what Juice Bigelow represents is just like, oh, he's just a normal guy who doesn't mind that I have a leg. Like he just does the best. But she does. But she doesn't know. Person. At that point, at the beginning of the date, she seems immediately enamored with him, and at that point, he doesn't know she only has one leg. No, but this is she what keeps I mean. it this, secret. That, I think... She keeps it surprisingly secret for a girl who seems to only wear like dresses. Yeah, that's a very good point. <laughs> that's a very, very good point. Again, it's also amazing because he doesn't figure out that her leg is fake until he pulls it out of the socket. So he's he holding it, it and kissing it and does not know. And at this point, I got You can't this... tell between plastic and skin. Because <laughs> I have seen this film before and I, I saw it as a young as a young lad, probably young around buck. 10 years old. And I think I actually had this on bootleg VHS. Um, Jesus Christ. But... I seem to have got this, my memory of this mixed up with the episode of Friends in which Joey had been out with a woman with one leg and threw it on the fire? Yes. That's, <laughs> that, that's a plot in Friends. And I was like, oh, does Deuce throw her leg on the fire? And, and he doesn't. No, he doesn't. So he points for this movie. Feel, he just somehow makes her feel bad about herself and then she runs off to the bathroom and then they bang. Well, that's it. Like, she feels bad about herself because he discovers she has one leg. This is what I'm saying. This film is written by people who have no experience of what it's like i'm sorry this film is written by rob schneider and harris goldberg don't know who that second person is but they have no yeah no concept of these things so they're like what's the worst thing that a normal person could have i don't know lose a leg yeah you'd probably be really sad if you only had one leg rather than you know acclimatize to it and probably get some sort of level of self-worth and body positivity because this is 1999 and if you don't look like naomi campbell before liposuction then uh then you're shit and that's kind of it that's it for all of these women is just like oh you're tall you're weird you have no idea what love is you're fat you have no idea what love is you have Tourette's you have no concept of what love is um you have narcolepsy you have no concept of what love is it's just I, it's a it's a yeah I just want to it's quickly, awful quickly say on, on the Harris Goldberg front uh Harris Goldberg uh wrote some Disney movies uh one of which is a favorite of mine starring Jonathan Taylor Thomas second mention on the pod the Black Cauldron. Uh, I'll Be Home for Christmas, which is a Christmas movie that isn't very good, but I watch it every year all the same. Good God. And then he wrote one of your favourites. Uh, he wrote The Mighty Ducks 2. <gasps> oh, that, that is, it's the best one. Um, or The oh, Mighty shit. Ducks 3. I think he's uncredited as writing it as well. What do you mean? What, uncredited, uncredited on His Mighty Wikipedia mentions that he wrote a sequel to The Mighty Ducks. Oh, but I see. I'm looking at the Mighty Duck sequels, and he is not credited on any of them. So mm. I imagine he did a draft that was thrown away. Yeah, fair or enough. Or a draft that was used and just didn't get credited. 
definitely took it away from him. That's what he ended up writing before Deuce Bigelow, because he became friends with Rob Schneider, and they decided to write this film. I'm very glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the cop shows up again. There's also and he oh, talks uh, to uh, TJ. Or what do you want? Well, uh, we have have we mentioned his narcoleptic girlfriend? Uh, I kind of did in my rant. Well, like, have we mentioned their dates? <laughs> yeah, well, where they go bowling and then she she falls asleep. Pin. But he figures yeah. out. Well, there's a montage later where he buys her a, a helmet, and they go dancing. Yeah. Um, but no, first what he does is he ties her hair to a grate in a restaurant because uh, she's never had soup before in case she drowns. I will admit that I laughed at the image of her hair being tied up. Oh, oh yeah, fine. Just not the idea that she would drown if she had soup, but just like the image of her falling asleep and her hair being tied to a grate and making True. her not. Like, just in an image, I was like, oh, okay. Visually, visually, in this film, visually, you, can see, you can see why Mike Mitchell went on to do visual animation from now on. That's true. I suppose, yeah, because... It's we've quite cartoonish. <laughs> we've missed my third laugh, which is the cop comes back and he pulls his dick out again. Um, <laughs> it's just the same laugh. It's the same laugh every single time, but actually, no, there's one... No, there was. it was the same time I laughed for each of them, apart from once, when I laughed as soon as he appeared on screen, because I knew what was coming, and that was it. But you miss... Um, we miss the sort of, like, peak level of pronoun misogyny, uh, which is after the second cop meeting, and uh, Deuce tells TJ, TJ says, don't make me he-bitch-man-slap you. Okay. Which is just the most convoluted... I'm waiting until um, we get to my favourite Eddie Griffin scene to to talk about him again. Oh, and also there's a... Sorry, I'm just sort of rattling through. But yeah, I, um, he meets Kate's housemate who's blind. Played by uh, Miss Lippy from Billy Madison. Ah, yeah, I thought she seemed familiar. Anyway, she's petting a slipper instead of a cat. Yeah, it's, it's a very... Uh, it's not a feminist movie, Josh, because the way it no, treats No, you have to hear me out no, <laughs> later I, on. But no, it, I, I know it's not a feminist film. But you think but it I thinks think it is? They think it was. Okay, so then there's a big montage of him going out on more dates with these people, despite Amy Poehler not returning for this montage. Yeah. Every, he goes out with the narcoleptic. He goes out with Louisa. He goes out with Tina, and he goes on more dates with Kate. And then Kate meets his dad in a quite nice scene. Yeah, with the with the sexy one of the sexy boys from Big Daddy, Alan Covert. Yeah. And it'll pop him. up more. <laughs> um. I've written at this point, like, oh, Alan Cover and Norm MacDonald are in this movie to not do anything funny. Yeah. Um, Just talk about shit. So after she meets his dad, that's the scene where they go and have sex, and he finds out about her leg, and he goes and meets her friends, who all seem to live in a, like, the, he meets them at, like, a sorority house, I'm guessing? Yeah, I don't understand why they all live together in this... Yeah, it's like a sort of palatial sorority house. And these her friends are she's... Jackie Soundler and, um... I think one Others. of them is Rob Schneider's ex-wife. <laughs> yep. And they're Fair all enough. sort of like, she's not a normal woman. You can't possibly want to go out with her. No, she's only got one leg. And she works in hair transplants. Oh, that was another laugh I had, was the moment... It's just one shot where someone gets injected before they have a hair transplant, and I just thought it was really funny. <laughs> that was it, just because it was a really big needle going into someone's forehead. This is a Because that's the level classic. I was operating at at the time. Because he tells the girls that he wants to go out with Kate, they tell her that he was a gigolo that they hired for her. Mm. So that's how he ended up going out with her. And she doesn't want to go out with him anymore. Understandably, I wouldn't want to go out with Rob Schneider anymore. I wouldn't want to go out with him in the first place, to be honest. That's true. 
Uh, so then we have are. sort of like, and at this point as well, he ends up going on a a job with um, the cop's wife. Yes. Which is how he finds out that the cop has a thin penis, because he's it's very odd. It's very cop. It's very dumb. Stupid. Um, but what do you think? Do you think like I was? So I watched that scene, and then he's going to maybe bang the cop's wife, and then he decides to do a little dance for her instead. Yeah. Is Rob Schneider fit? No. I don't know. In that lighting, he's pretty schlubby. Well, I don't know because in that lighting, when he's doing that dance, he's got a bit of like peck work going and some arms. I'd have to I'm rewatch. Like... I didn't. I don't remember because I wasn't studying oh, no, his I body really... as close as oh, you no, were. I did. Well, no, because I was kind of like because yeah, the whole thing through the film, I was like, is this sexy? Is this sex? And then at that, I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe he, maybe he is attractive in this, this is... one specific scene. <laughs> This is like my eternal question on um, Ice Cube, because I can never figure out. Well, is he out... attractive? No, is Ice Cube fat or is he hench? Uh, little column A, little column B. <laughs> I can I never figure it out. Like I remember when he was cast in Triple X Two, and I was just like, Ice Cube's an action hero. Yeah, I have no idea. Well, <laughs> just let's let's get because we're we're in the last act now. We're really near the end. Um, right. Okay. Right. I'm at the the feminist moment because it basically happens. I don't know if it happens. Wait, before you get to your feminist moment, can I say the funniest moment in the film? Yeah, go on. So, uh, it's a repeat of him having to do the plunging up a goldfish. Um, It's gone to someone's someone's toilet. Uh, Before, when he did this, the goldfish came plopping up and into someone's (laughs) fishbowl. This time, a turd comes up and goes into someone's fishbowl. And I laughed at that for quite a bit. Oh. I thought I hated it. <laughs> that <laughs> was, was like, the oh, image of a turd in a fishbowl really made me chuckle. Yeah, I suppose that was. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's enough. my favorite joke in the movie. Fair enough. I mean, I can't. I was gonna lay into you, but I cannot. I cannot. I mean, you can um, lay into me. I also no, I can't because the, I, I keep laughing at a guy who just unzips his flies and takes his dick out. That's the whole joke. <laughs> but I think it's the best time. Yeah, although I did write, didn't laugh at the sad taking dick out, so I'm not sure when that was. That would be when he's explaining that it's skinny. Oh, it could. Oh, yeah, no, it's the yeah, it's the bit where he's screaming at the like nice cafe by the side. But I think this is the scene where it attempts to do the feminism thing, which is Rob Schneider is talking to the cop, and he says something along the lines of, "You think you've got it bad because you worry about your dick? Well." women have it so much harder because they're either too fat or they're too thin or they're too tall or they're too short or they have Tourette's or they don't have Tourette's or they have two legs or they have one leg. And I I genuinely think that they are attempting to be like, all women are worthy of love, but they just do it in such a terrible way. (laughs) And uh, obviously it's very like 90s based feminism done by someone who doesn't really, who's had this thought themselves, but only in the last six months, maybe. (laughs) last three weeks in the last three weeks yeah since shooting the film (laughs) he's realized (laughs) oh maybe Um, supermodels aren't the only thing so i think they really do try i don't i really don't (laughs) i don't see it i also think at that point he literally says it he literally says it but i also think at that point in the movie i'm so tuned out that i don't even hear it yeah fair enough (laughs) rewatch it it's a new reading of the film um so he agrees... Which it immediately undoes. Sorry. <laughs> okay, it's, so it's... he agrees... He Because he's now helped the cop with his wife, because they go and both do a dance for her, which I guess helps her. Um, sort of. The cop is like, you need to turn in TJ and I'll, I'll let you go. But Deuce is such a man of honour that he refuses to turn in TJ. And uh, he has to... There's like 
an incredibly quick court case in yep. which um, all his uh, all his ladies that he has pleasured come in and basically admit that they didn't have sex with him. And, yeah, uh, including another good film reference, the Jurassic Park water glass shaking because yeah. a fat woman is walking towards people. Oh, so this has got my most terrifying moment in the film. <gasps> Same. In which Eddie Griffin is at the court case, but in disguise as a white man, and he genuinely looks like the um, like something out of a David Lynch movie. It looks like when Hannibal Lecter wears that guy's face. <laughs> it, he, I would not be surprised <laughs> in Mulholland Drive when they go out behind the diner if, the, <laughs> if he came out. I would I, I would be as scared as I am already watching Mulholland Drive. Yeah, and then Bobby Barrett has a heart attack. <laughs> exact same thing. Uh, yeah. So Deuce wins the court case? I guess. Well, the, the case is dismissed against him because he hasn't actually had sex with any of these women, apart from Kate, who didn't pay him. Yeah. Then the movie kicks back in. Do you remember that there's a plot about um, trying to fix a fish tank? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, uh, we, what we missed is the second, the second time that the gay innuendo joke man came back as a sort of like that happened about half an hour ago huh (laughs) i tried to skip over it oh right yeah now he comes back just to give an update on plot about half an hour before all this happens just to remind people that that's those are the stakes people josh i have no memory of how he gets kate back in this movie i don't either is she just like does she go to the court case wait no oh god there's something um i know she runs into him when he's dating the um cop's wife but that's yeah. more of her deciding she doesn't want to be with him. What does he do? He uh, he sort of he sort of explains. He's like, it, I didn't mean for this to happen. Blah 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 blah. And then it just seems like they're just there. This is a they're very bad fun. movie. This might not be a two star movie. We go back to suddenly all Deuce and his friends are at his at Anton's apartment, cleaning up the apartment and rebuilding the fish tank. To which Amy the um, back. Amy Poehler's back. Uh, to which. Um, the, the innuendo man is like, oh, I've never had to do one this quick before, and uh, it might not hold. <sighs> that Anton returns, and is, he's been suspicious of Deuce throughout the movie, which, fair. Oh no, you've missed out, you've missed out a, another interesting moment for the time, because uh, considering this is 1999, they have the tall one oh. give um, Anton so, yes, like To delay first... Anton from getting back quickly. Yeah, by... Um... We find out that the tall lady, Tina, works for airport security. Yeah, and she gives him an illegal search. She gives him a cavity um, search. Yeah, a cavity search. Which, I just feel like this joke, and bear in mind at the time, so I've I've been following along on Wikipedia, following the plot, and I, didn't, I had no idea that Antoine was supposed to be Argentinian. Because... <laughs> I mean, is it brought up in the film? Absolutely not. Because I just, I suppose for me, I just um, associate Odette Fair as being, you know, from The Mummy. As someone who speaks Arabic and um, all that kind of stuff. And it just feels like in 1999, a joke where you send an, who I assume to be, Arabic man to be searched at an airport is a very different proposition to what it is now. Yes, this is very true. It's, it's In a way, it's ahead of its time. Because... Yeah, I suppose it is sort of ahead of its time. Yeah, maybe. Oh, he, is Isra- he is an Israeli actor. Is this film the cause? Is this film the cause? Is it an Israeli actor? Odet Fair is an Israeli actor. I had no idea. There you go. <laughs> what a guy. So yes, yeah, so he so he is being delayed while Deuce Oh yes, I forgot one important aspect. The big fish that Anton loves, Deuce conveniently placed in a blender whilst mm. the tank was broken. And, and the blind friend is there as well. Kate's blind friend. 
just says, time for margaritas. And you just hear a blender go. A, like, how does this girl think a margarita is made? Is just margarita mixed in every blender? And, like, no, it's a horrible, yeah, horrible no, moment. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just more horrible shit. It's just more horrible shit. Which I don't remember, how, like, like, Juice suddenly has the money to buy this very expensive fish. After having all his friends, all, the... all his friends give money. In. Oh, I guess so. They all give some money across. They all pitch in. He buys the fish, and there's one final joke of the girl in the fish store, um, having to get her t-shirt wet, um, showing that Deuce really hasn't grown <laughs> throughout this movie. Hasn't grown whatsoever. I also noticed. No, one... but I feel like that one's worse because it feels like so. The last few times, it's like it's for titillation of Deuce, and for this time, it I almost get the feeling like it's it's punishment. Well, not punishment, but you know what I mean. No, you know what I think. Like... It's more. It's more like let me see them one last time. Oh, maybe one last time before I have to go off and be a real person. Yeah, it, yeah. It's Andy giving it. away the toys. <laughs> uh, well, you... <laughs> it is that. But with tits. It's tit story free. Um, <laughs> I did you notice at one point in one of the fish shop scenes that there's like a queue of people behind him while he's trying to get his rocks off. And a woman just is carrying a birdcage filled with birds in a fish store. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Just wanted to bring that up. Is. Also in that scene is another what I would call a Sandler staple, which is um, an old woman saying something sexually aggressive, or just aggressive in general. It's amazing that none of Deuce's clients are old women. Well, the first that's... one is kind of, like, middle-aged. Yeah, but, like, it's but... Nothing, there's nothing in it that's, like, um, like an old woman that he doesn't want to sleep with because she's old. Yeah, like the woman from, um, uh, fucking, uh, <laughs> The Wedding Singer. Yeah, or, like, if, if, if Betty White just showed up. Yeah, yeah, that's I could definitely see that like, as working. It, it's amazing that they were able to show that restraint. Uh, you say restraint. I think if they'd have thought of it, they would have done it. <laughs> Josh, we're so close to the end. Let's get to the end of this movie. All right, fine. He um, so Antoine returns home. Everything looks okay. All Juice's friends are hiding in like cupboards. Yeah. Then what happens, <laughs> so, Jack? So the fish tank explodes as the innuendo man. On it. The innuendo man said it might, and Antoine collects ancient weapons and he starts using them to try and kill Deuce. And Kate throws Deuce a wooden leg as a weapon back yeah anyway it looks like anton's gonna shoot deuce with a crossbow fluisa runs in and takes the arrow goes right into her chest which is padded with a like a small game an entire roast chicken <laughs> it's not a roast chicken it's too small to be a roast chicken it's, more it's like, a small roast chicken it's more like, a or it's like that thing it's like that thing from a razor head yeah the tiny chickens. The tiny chickens. Anyway, she takes it out, and then, like, I think she has a bite of it. Does the cop then burst into a restaurant? The cop bursts in, and we get uh, my biggest laugh, which is when he goes, "Hey, asshole!" And then directs him towards his dick, and instead of unzipping his trousers, he just takes out his badge. Yep, that's <laughs> I a moment. That was incredibly funny. Everyone is happy. The film wraps up with TJ emerging from a cupboard with the blind girl, and the blind girl saying, "Wow, I can now see because she's had sex with TJ." Well, no, that's. Not how it ends. Well, it ends on a racist joke. Does it end on a racist joke? Is this it is this in the is joke. this in the where are they now scene? No, no, sorry. Yeah, I'm ignoring the where are they now thing because I don't remember. No, she doesn't say I can see. She says that. Oh yes, whatever. I'm sorry. She but says, then uh, she yes. says, "You're black." I could tell. Yep, I have written that this is a horrible ending. <laughs> it's really bad. I hate it. I hate all of it. So we wrap up with a little bit of Where Are They Now, which is completely unfunny, but they just tell you that I think Fluisa gets uh, liposuction and she's going to be... becomes being humble. Yeah. The best gag in this is that they say that Norm MacDonald only shot one day on this movie, which I can't yeah, believe he even good. shot a day. And yeah, that's that's the end of Deuce Bigelow. Josh, what did you think of Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo? You know what? After watching it on my own, 
it was two stars. But now having discussed, like, I'm, you know, the first half of this film going through it, I feel like, you know, it's all plot. It's all plot, loads of stuff. And the second half is kind of where all of the really bad, horrible, problematic stuff comes in. And discussing it with you, I feel like it's it slipped down. <laughs> it slipped I definitely down do. It's not good. I'm going to keep it at two stars because I have to think about it as I watched it. You know, that's it's the film I watched. Yeah. Dis- discussing it, you know, it's not. It, it's not the film is not made to be viewed as a discussion between you and me. All film is made to be viewed to be discussed by it's true. you and me. <laughs> by um, everyone, but specifically at this moment, you and me. So, so. Let's uh, let's put this out there. So, your favorite moment of the movie? What is your top favorite moment of the movie? Um, oh, maybe because it was my first laugh, it might be the "Hey Dad" moment. It's a good moment. That whole scene. Who would? Uh, or, who, uh, oh no, no! Please go ahead. No, or just any pick any time the cock. No, the pick dick. any time the cop tried to take his dick out. Basically, any right. of those. I think for me, it is the the turd in the fishbowl. The fishbowl turd. Who's your Who's your MVP? Um, it's the cop. It's William Forsyth. It's Richard Real for me. As, as, as yeah, I can Mr. see that. Bigelow. And what? Who is your LVP? Your least valuable player. Hmm. God. I think just because he's so underused, and like you said, it would be great to have a whole film about him. It's Oded Fair. Definitely because... not for me. I, huh? I know who I know who my LVP is. Who's that? Rob Schneider. Oh yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> no, that makes more sense. No, but like, yeah. Rob Schneider no, doesn't really do anything funny in this movie. Doesn't offer a strong male lead. Is kind of unlikable. You know, I there is nothing about this movie that I that he is keeping me involved in. I would say that supporting players are funnier. They get more to do. Rob Schneider LVP for this movie, which is not That's... a good sign for a for a leading man of this comedy movie that has a sequel. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm changing to uh, Rob Schneider also because I've realised that my LVP was just based on the person not having enough screen time. <laughs> yeah, that so, kind of makes him yeah. a, Rob a, Schneider a, has too a, much screen time. Um, would you like to hear uh, what your MVP William Forsyth had to say on this movie? Oh my god, yes, please. I hope it was. I enjoyed making this, especially trying to take my dick out constantly. So, so this is uh, William Forsyth on the making of Juice Big Legos. That's my knuckleball. You have to develop a few different pitches, and I love to fool them. In a million years, no one would have given me that part, but I set a meeting up, went in, and it was only supposed to be a meeting, because I don't think anyone, including me, ever thought I was going to get it. So I just went nuts in the room, and they basically made them give me the part. I had a blast on it. But I love doing comedy. Rob Schneider and I had a funny work relationship, because my guy is like, constantly yelling in his face, and I got to the point where I just, if I just barely moved, he'd react. He was like a kid who'd been getting cracked his whole life, flinching whenever you moved. But I liked Rob. How weird. So he really wanted to be on the film. <laughs> it seems like he was really desperate to be part of this. Well, I'm glad he made such an impression on me and many other people, I would imagine. I was going to say, listeners, if you're there in general or still there, either one, watch. We, I'd love if you could watch the film. Although annoyingly, it's you can only rent it on Amazon Prime. Currently in the UK, it's not available on any other streaming service. You can buy it yeah. on iTunes. Yeah, but who the fuck? I'm not fucking buying on iTunes. Jesus Christ! It's not 2009. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want something that works across devices. Yeah, I'd like to know people's MVPs, people's LVPs, and their general star ratings, and their favourite moments. That'd be really nice. If you have some, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at. True Hap Mad. Yeah. That's T R U H A P M A D. Yeah. Or you can email us at truehapmad at gmail.com. 
Yeah, big time. I look uh, forward to reading all those. Josh, um, so just a little final sort of facts on Juice Bigelow. This film, oh, yeah, you know, because this is the first Happy Madison film, so it has to be kind of a success for, well, for this podcast to happen. And it was a mm. success. It opened on December 10th, 1999, and earned $12 million in its op- $12 million on its opening weekend, which put it in Ooh. third behind Toy Story 2 and The Green Mile. Oh, wow. That's um, good counter-programming, though. <laughs> exactly. If you're, if you're tired of good stuff, here's some shit. <laughs> yeah, here's something absolutely terrible. And it ended up grossing worldwide uh, $92 million. Close to 93 actually. That is insane. Uh, that's on a $17 million budget. That is insane. Just, do you remember the UK poster for Juice Bigelow? Oh shit, I do not. Right, I'm going to try and find it and send it over to you. I remember it, and it's... Oh, yeah, no, I do remember that. Because, so the traditional poster for this movie is sort of like, it's a it's a peephole view of Juice Bigelow being like, oh, look, this is the guy who would turn up if you booked a prostitute. But the UK poster, I find, they've sort of marketed it in that sort of weird... It kind of looks like an independent film. Yeah. It looks like it, looks like it would almost be more sophisticated than it actually is. I know what you mean, because, yeah, it's just him rubbing his butt up and down a lampshade. And just or the, up or down the, 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 the use of the lamp. orange lighting. It almost, you know what it kind of looks like it could be? Go on. It looks like it could be a Pedro Almodovar movie. Oh, yeah, no, it does. <laughs> it's got sort of this oh, weird... What would that film be like? <laughs> Pedro Almodovar's Do Speak Alone, Mel Jingle. You know what, I'd, I'd love, love to see it. it. <laughs> Antonio Banderas is Antoine. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's something about it. that They obviously marketed this movie very well. Uh, for mm. it to end up making nearly $100 million a Rob Schneider comedy. But I think that is the end of our Juice Bigelow chat. Yeah, I feel, well, only that, I mean, it's been mentioned before, but I like that at the end it's like, oh, they lived happily ever after. So I cannot wait to see how Kate and Deuce are getting on in Deuce Bigelow European Gigolo. Do, do you think Kate returns for European Gigolo? I, ooh. Do you think it's like a Paul Blart Moor Cop 2 situation? Um, I feel it's going to be I don't think it's going to be quite as ridiculous as the Paul Black Moor Cop 2 justification for why that woman isn't there I think I it's think going it'll to be, be like, more ridiculous uh, see I think it's going to be something like they're having trouble Deuce goes away to find himself or she goes away to find herself and then he follows her and through a series of mishaps becomes a gigolo again no, um, I, I, don't, I don't see this happening <laughs> no I mean I don't see it happening but if I were writing it <laughs> that's what I'd do well, we'll find out soon. Yeah, so that's what I'm excited for. <laughs> you can find me, Jack Gregson, at JFG in Digital 3D on Twitter and Instagram. Where can people find yeah. you, Josh? Uh, you can find me at Papsby, P-A-P-S-B-Y, on Twitter. Uh, and that's about it, really. But yeah, also, it'd be great if you've downloaded this on... Well, if you downloaded this in general, to give us a little a little rating and a yeah. review. Sneak into that incredible. iTunes store that Josh thinks only exists in 2009. Only for films. <laughs> Just because Why I so many films on iTunes? Uh, um, yeah, leave us a review. Leave us... Um, you know what? Uh, if you think we're better than Deuce Bigelow, definitely leave us a review, because that's a freestyle review. Yeah, if you enjoyed us talking you through the entire plot, beat for beat, minute for minute, Better than the film. I think this episode will be longer than actual Juice Bigelow. It definitely will, which okay. is very sad <laughs> for Juice Bigelow. Thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, wait, what will we be doing next week? That's what I was about to say. Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, next week, we will be returning with uh, the first film in our series that will star Adam Sandler. Uh, next week, <sighs> yes. we will return with the hellish comedy Little Nicky. So oh, if you guys want to direct- watch along with us, Make sure you rent your copy of Little Nicky. Oh, it's available on Amazon Prime in the UK. Yes. Uh, Directed by Stephen Brill. And will it be? 
Brill? Eant? Who knows? Can't wait to find out. Let's find out. As always, guys. Ah, horse shit. <laughs> Bye.